The world is saved. I see on the text line that Starbucks is letting people use their own cups. <laughs> We're saved. We're all saved. It's all going to be wonderful. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Now, when Star Wars came out in 1976, I was 15 years old. We had never seen a flick like that ever before, ever. The special effects were all practical. They had to all actually be done. There was no such thing as CGI back in those days. Uh, George Lucas, you know, the, George Lucas was largely, you know, he came out of, uh, you know, him and Spielberg. They'd all just come through like everybody else in, in the United States. The war in Vietnam, the American malaise over that, Watergate, um, all of that 60s activism had, had wound itself down. When you looked at the original Star Wars film, you know, like the fight, the the uh, the, the dog fight scenes, it's, this brought back, you know, this brought back to light certain things you saw when you were a kid, right? You'd see these dogfight scenes from World War II or World War I, they'd be depicted. And at the same time, some of the stuff for the people that were watching the anime uh, or watching the old samurai flicks, you know, the, you, you, saw, you saw touches of Akira Kurosawa in this. You had heroes and you had starships and you had something nobody had ever heard of called a lightsaber and you had robots and it was all fun. And if you look at it today, you'd say, well, that's a, those special effects are quite tame. In 1976, that was way beyond anything else anybody had ever done before. And everybody tried to copy that. Yeah, what are you about to say? What? what? I was just going to say, yeah, it was cutting, cutting edge back then. It was. Yeah. Like the, uh, what, what they, what the, the, uh, the thing that they skimmed, the, uh, the speeder. Yeah. Um, trying to remember how they did that, though. How did they Well, they, they, they set it up on a turn. It, 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 was, it was spinning. And they would just they, they they mounted the camera on the side of the speeder, mm -hmm. and then they would just spin that around, and uh, then they would actually edit that out by hand. Ah. There was there was no AI to do it, and then you would believe that there was such a thing as a hovering car. Right, right. And 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 the whole thing with the you know I would love to know who came up with the sound effect for the lightsaber. But anyway, anyway, I you know I, I digress. Um, I watched the other ones because I cared about Luke Skywalker and I liked Leia and I liked Obi-Wan and Han and the droids. I liked Lando. I liked Yoda. Even Darth Vader was interesting. Darth the Vader journey, awesome, bro. <laughs> the journey was the interesting part about it. But then now, <laughs> now, um, you know, like with, uh, with the, with the last, with the prequels, or I guess the sequels. We had the prequels after, and then then we had the sequels to it with uh, Daisy Ridley and all these other guys, and uh, you know, like Rose and Finn. They had some promise, but uh, you know, this was after Disney took it over, and instead of developing their characters and let them become iconic, it just boiled down to having a black guy and an Asian woman on there, and they could go, "Yay! Look what what did what we did." They were, I mean. Those two actors have some chops. They could actually have been really well used, but they didn't let that happen. Yeah, it was pretty awful. So now they have handed over, and I mean, the Star Wars franchise is valued at $67 billion, and the, the next director 
of the next Star Wars movie is going to be a Pakistani feminist activist. Which, I mean, just, you know, when you're looking for a diversity hire, look how many boxes that one checks. And she stated, we're in 2024. It's about time we have a woman shape a story in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, my God, really? Well, uh, what about being able to tell a story? Oh, they can't do that. No. This is Disney. They, they, don't, tell, they don't tell their own stories. They tell other stories. Yeah, but that's what stories. it was based on. It was telling a story. It was in a universe a long time ago, far, far away. It was telling a story. Right. And now, what, what, what have we got? Uh, and she's going to be the next director because she's a woman? Pakistani? She doesn't like guys? <laughs> I mean... It has nothing to do with her, her experience. <laughs> this is so bad that now you've got the comic uh, now you know the comic uh, companies like Borderlands Borderlands uh, the Star Wars franchise has been very good to the comic book industry so of course they take an interest in anything coming from this and bounding into comics reports that the new flick's going to be centered slowly around the character Ray. oh no and you know they well I mean it isn't like we've been overexposed to her she wasn't like in a lot of the last one Right? No, not really. I mean, with uh, with with the original Star Wars, we essentially had the Three Musketeers because we had Luke, Leia, and Han right. running around there. They had they had supporting people, Chewbacca, Obi Wan, all this other stuff. They had a bad guy. They had Darth, and but mainly it was those three getting out there, and we got to know them fairly well, right? Over, over the over the course of those first three flicks, mm -hmm. Ray hasn't really been fully explored yet, and but um, that doesn't mean she's going to be any good. Because it's all going to come down to how they want this to be portrayed. The uh, This director, she says, I've always kicked open doors that were previously closed, and I think my feeling is that there's a critical mass of women who have begun to move forward in places that were previously closed to them. You know what I would like to see? And ladies, don't take this the wrong way. You know what I'd like to see, Maestro? What's that? Have you ever seen one of these flicks where, like, a woman who looks like she could walk down a catwalk at any time and, and just model the, the smallest clothes known to man? Mm -hmm. We'll get in there and fight somebody like, uh, you know, Batista, Dave Batista, and beat him up. You ever yeah. seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now we're getting into the land of fantasy. There, there's, there's a lot of things technique can do. But if, like, if you were to go to a jujitsu class right now, and look a look at a seven year old male jujitsu practitioner who's been in it for a year or so. He can take on a female adult, yeah, and win and win. Yep. And that's not me. I'm not. This is not hyperbole or anything. But uh, so I guess now the Star Wars franchise, which is you know been you know movies are supposed to be about entertainment and they're supposed to be about storytelling. The good ones are about storytelling. And but what are now we're kicking indoors and busting ceilings and smashing the patriarchy. And I know this. What year were you born in, Maestro? What what uh, late latest decade were you born in? The nineties were eighty nine. Eighty nine, almost yeah. the nineties. In nineteen seventy six, when Star Wars came out in nineteen seventy six, everybody loved it. Male, female, black, white, plaid, foreign, native. Whatever, everybody loved that film. Right. In a galaxy not that very far away, Star Wars was for everybody. Now, now, right? Now, white men. Have you ever seen a Harlem Globetrotters game before, Maestro? I have. 
Okay. Now, they always play a team called Washington Generals. Okay. And they're always made out to be a bunch of hapless idiots. It barely shouldn't, it shouldn't even, and they get to score like three baskets in a game, and then the Harlem Globetrotters are just out there just captivating you with all of their daring do with the basketball. <laughs> yeah. Right? They're just artists right there. So they're there to look bad and to lose. Right. And that's what storytelling has become. Instead of telling a story, right, where mankind perseveres, instead of telling that story, now white guys are there to lose. And here's their problem. All the Star Wars fans, they're not sexist or racist. They just like Star Wars. Yep. I didn't see it on The Mandalorian, but I've seen it many times on uh, on uh, YouTube in The Mandalorian where Luke Skywalker comes on to rescue the, the baby. Yeah. And, I mean, I've seen the reactions across the globe when that was when he was introduced into that and he starts fighting all of that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it it was everybody. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't. And, you know, I don't I didn't do the I didn't. How many females are liking this? How many LGBTQ activists are like, I, I wasn't looking at that. I was just looking at the people. Right. And, it's, so, and even with those reactions to, you know, they, they're true fans. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't, I just can't entertainment is you, the movies I watch now. They all come from the fifties. <laughs> right on. Because uh, the movies that are coming out now, every time I try to watch a new one and the, uh, if you haven't seen Operation Fortune, that's pretty funny. You should go watch that. Operation Fortune. That's a Jason Statham movie. It's got Aubrey Plaza in it. It's got uh, Hugh Grant. It, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. And uh, he's he's the guy, and he gets to be filled with testosterone and beat everybody up. And that's that's my kind of escapist entertainment I like to see. A little bit of senseless violence always does me good. But I do have a sociopathic tendency or two. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to I just wanted to vent on that one. I I hope nobody took offense at that. I mean, maybe one day we'll see a realistic film where a female just squares up on a guy and just gets beaten half to death. Let's just make seven, eight, and nine just fan fiction and remake them. Star Wars. Do you know enough people to do it? Uh, I would do it. Yeah. I could be Luke's I probably great, could, I I could, could get I could probably get enough people to, together to do that. Yeah. I could be Luke's great grandfather. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I could which would make me that would make me uh Shmee's, the far I, I would be, dad. <laughs> Wouldn't that I be got, I'll yeah. have to go back on that one. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh when we get back, uh globalism. Globalism strips meaning from everything we know. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. We're going to have to get on the text line in just a second. Just to, I, got a, I got a really good question I got to answer. But GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. Common Sense Time Atlantic Text Line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Let's go to the phones. Kenneth in Spartanburg. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Kenneth. Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes, sir. There you are. Okay. I apologize. Let's be honest about this whole thing. America would be united if the Constitution wasn't misrepresented. Am I correct? Yes. 
Absolutely. But then, I mean, going back, I mean, this would go back a long way. I mean, this would, <laughs> we, I mean, the, the actual running of the country is not that involved for the federal government to do. When you look at it now, we, we used to be divided maybe by thousands of people. Now we're divided by millions of people. We still have, what, 300 million people in America? And we have probably about 25 million people that are anti-America? Does that sound about right, too? No, I think it's probably split, I think, you know, when you look at it. Because we have about 335 million people. And uh, half of them, you know, according to, according to, uh, according to uh, Joe Biden, he got 81 million votes. I know, well, we that's, know that's, that can't possibly true. be a lie. What? Yeah, that's possibly a lie. We know that. And, and you know, if we just just some basic things of the Constitution, we're, su- we're supposed to protect our borders by all means possible, building right. a wall, whatever yep. we need to do. Right. And and be honest with you, President Trump did a good job at that. Right. And uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you are a Trump supporter or not. Uh, but I, I think he had good policies that work. I, I'm for anybody that supports the Constitution. I, 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 I have no, no loyalty to any one man unless he's he's going the way I need for him to go. I thought Trump did as good as he could do with all the stuff they were lobbing at him. No doubt about it. He was great. And let's don't make no bones about this. Dysphoria is a mental disease. And they stopped that in 1979, treating people that got, you know, they got twisted in their head about whether they were a man or a woman. Right. And they and they stopped that in 1979. I mean, why did they stop treating people? Now that, now really it's kind of spreading to everybody. Well, see, but it's about ID politics, Kenneth. The more IDs you can have, the more divisive it can be. The whole... And I don't know if you've ever done this math, but the big goal of ID politics is to have me and you looking at me and you instead of at them. If we looked at them, if everybody in the United States stopped looking at each other saying, I'm against what you stand for. Oh, yeah, well, I'm against what if we all just sat back and said, wait a minute. And we all turned and looked at the government. They would uh, they would break out into a sweat. And, And yeah, I agree. America is not really we're divided by. We're divided, divided by policy, really really not by race. Race is an excuse to commit horrible crimes so so people can call you a racist so they can commit crimes. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think what it boils down to really is not, it's not even about policy. It's about the perception of what the policy is. You know, right now the left gets out there and they will tell everybody out there that if I voted for Trump that I'm a white supremacist, I'm a Nazi, I'm a fascist, I'm all these things. So then their perception becomes, I'm one of those people. Now, if you really believe I'm one of those people, are you just going to sit by and let me operate anyway? Are you going to let me exist anyway? Or if you really believe that, are you going to take some sort of action? We've seen them do that. We're seeing them do that now. They're cozying up to everybody and anybody that would be against anything I mean, and the problem with this is is quite simple. BLM and Antifa are not Democratic. They don't care a whit about the Democrats. They'll, they'll use them all day, as will the Islamists. But everything they're cozying up to are Frankenstein, and they will get strangled by their monster one day. 
Well, Bill, I, I just want to say this one thing. I hope we're not divided like, you know, like we were just talking about. Oh, no, we're not. That's the thing. We're not. We're not. Next time, next time you go to a gas station, whoever is at the pump next to you, just start talking to him, and he'll talk to you. Trust me. Because we're not that divided. And it doesn't matter if he's, if he's white or black or male or female or plaid or beige or whatever. He'll talk to you. Just treat everybody the way you want to be treated. And guess what? We're not divided. I know one thing. We would straighten up real quick if Tyler really came over here and were able to jump out of airplanes and just start killing citizens. And we, we would straighten up real quick and... Well, some would, some would, <laughs> some would, some would, uh, some would be absolutely, you got you to gotta remember what we're talking about here. There's not, uh, we don't have a bunch of Rambos walking around right now. You got more around you right now in, where you live here in this, in this, pro, in this broadcast area. This is the biggest concentration of former uh, military that than anywhere else in the United States. But uh, in most places, they're not going to be sitting there going, all right, we got to get operational now. These guys are coming. What do we got to fight with? A, 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 let's see. We got a ball bat, a baseball glove, and a, a, a boat oar. Yeah, I can take this. I can handle this. There's nobody going to do that yeah. in most places. Yeah, that, if, if they don't believe the right to bear arms, then they, they probably won't be alive, Bill. No, no. They'll, uh, they'll die and die quick. So anyway. Yeah. Listen, thanks very much for the call, Kenneth. I think that's the first time you've ever called me, and I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you, sir. You too. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. On the text line, somebody said, uh, uh, I know you're talking about Star Wars. Does that mean you're more of a Star Wars guy or a Star Trek guy? I am both. I enjoy both. I compartmentalize both. You know, on the one hand, you got Starfleet, and they've got their bad guys and everything, and that's fun. That's that. It, it, it's fun. I just go to the movies to escape. I'm not going to the movies for any sort of moral issue or any sort of. I'm not looking for any sort of political, unless I'm watching a documentary. But I, I wouldn't be going to a Star Wars movie to get the political theme or the religious theme or anything else. I'm looking to see some some lightsaber action when I go there. I'm looking to see Kirk be Kirk. You couldn't make Star Wars, the 1960s era Star Wars. You could not make that show today in the United States because Kirk was just too, he had too much testosterone. Bill, William Shatner had too much testosterone. He was getting out there just, I mean, anything, anything female. Captain Kirk would be, uh, you know, he'd be having relations with that. And it was, you know, and it was, it, it turned into another multifaceted, uh, entertainment dynasty, if you want to. Although I, I haven't seen Star Wars as politicized, but I haven't watched some of the later ones. Not Star Wars, Star Trek. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I'm both. I like them both. We'll get to the globalism in just a second because that's very important. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. Well, leave it to our former governor to knock me clean off of my off of my plan there. 
GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Uh, Nikki Haley's out there, and right now everybody is con- trying to consolidate what they can in New Hampshire and Iowa because those are the first two that are up. And uh, that's where they try to build momentum. And I don't know. Um, the problem that Nikki seems to have is that Nikki... When she's out there trying to run it herself, she doesn't know what to say. She has no idea what she's talking about. So she got out there the other day, and she was talking in New Hampshire, where you know she's gotten Chris Sununu's uh, endorsement, which should take her far and make she'll probably do well in New Hampshire. Um, I'll qualify that in just a second. Uh, and she said. We have an opportunity to get this right. And I know we'll get it. She's talking to New Hampshire. And I know we'll get it right. And I trust you. I trust every single one of you. You know how to do this. You know Iowa starts it. And you know you correct it. And then my sweet state of South Carolina brings it home. That's what we do. Now, hang on a second, Nick. <laughs> hang on a second there, Nikki. Uh, what do you mean... It gets corrected. Are you trying to tell me that, and I I know this is a lot of this campaign jargon, but the problem is when you get out there, you make the case for beating somebody. You do not get out there and you do not denigrate the voters. You denigrate your opponent. You don't denigrate the voters, Nikki. Somebody should have told you that. She, so she's, (laughs) Uh, gosh, what does she think needs correcting? So if the people of Iowa vote more for DeSantis, who their governor, the Iowan governor, Kim Reynolds, has endorsed DeSantis, and right now they're sort of neck and neck, right, for second place. Neck and neck for second place, which means they're not winning, right? Either one of them, they're not winning. They're coming in second. And, you know, she's probably going to do as good, you know, I think she's polling at 17 one percent or something and um she thinks she has a better shot of doing better than that in new hampshire well because we exist in this internet age um this went out on x all over the place and you got you got people on the former app known as twitter going this they're not going to like this in iowa then the governor got out there and said, I trust Iowans to make their own decisions. No corrections needed. Right now in uh, Iowa, DeSantis is at 18% and Haley is at 17.1. And Trump is at 51.6. So, um, you know, this isn't, you know, a, 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 a political race is not like, say, a bike race or a uh, or an F1 race on the on the in, in those kinds of competitions. What they're do- looking for is to get on the podium. If they can win, that's even better. But getting on the podium, if you can do that two or three times a season, you are considered to be a serious racer. And that's where the money comes in. That's where all the endorsements come in. All the sponsorships come in. That's where that comes in. In a political race, anything other than winning means you lost. And coming in second or, or you know, 22nd, it doesn't matter. Although, it, you know, if you come in 22nd, that's pretty sad. Now, uh, you know, she got out there 
and was talking about the Civil War the other day. And uh, she forgot to mention slavery in that one. And she's from South Carolina. Um, she was called a flip-flopper like John Kerry by a nine-year-old boy in New Hampshire. So, you know, I know, uh, and here's the other thing I've seen. I've seen a few people, a few commentators, a few columnists getting out there, and uh, they're talking about Nikki Haley becoming the VP for Trump, the, the choice for VP like Trump would be for in, on the Trump ticket. And there are some that say, well, she would attract the establishment. She would attract the Chardonnay women and all this other stuff. And But see, when did we start voting on a presidential ticket based on the vice president? When did that happen? Who cares? I, 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 I've, I've been alive long enough. I mean, I was... I was alive when Nixon resigned, and then when, uh, when well, with Nixon, his vice president resigned, and then he resigned. So first he got Gerald Ford to be his vice president, and then Gerald Ford became the president and appointed uh, Nelson Rockefeller as the vice president. And for the first time ever, we had a president and a vice president that had not been elected. So it mattered back then, but, you know, we, nobody... Uh, when Nixon was elected again in the, in the 70s and 72, I think it is, um, he it wasn't based on him running with Spiro Agnew. <laughs> I mean, he stomped Walter, Walter, was it Mondale? What? No, it wasn't Mondale. McGovern. He stomped McGovern, just tore him up. Now, on the text line, on the text line, Somebody's saying that if, if if Haley is the VP choice, that he would not vote for Trump. Um, so who are you going to vote for? So I, you know, some of this stuff is just silly. The, the thing that I just find interesting is why I, I sincerely hope he does not pick her. I really don't. Uh, Christy Nome, maybe. Okay. Carrie Lake. Okay. Why not? If you want to have a female, there's some much better appointed females out there that have actually done something. I can't think of anything Nikki Haley's done. Besides not be Donald Trump. She made a big deal about going to the FN factory and shooting a bunch of FN guns in high heels, which seems to be her thing. The high heels, which that's great. I can't wear them. But um, this correcting... Whatever the Iowa, that's not the way. That's not the way a president comports themselves, Nikki. A president gets out there and goes out of their way. A real president gets out of their way to make sure that they do something for everybody in the nation. That they make the nation a better place for everybody in the nation, whether they voted for him or not. When Barack Obama was elected president. He did one thing at the opening when he on his acceptance speech. He said, I'm going to need people like John McCain. And for a moment, I had hope because this guy was coming in. He could have been he could have unified the country at that time. We remember we were in the middle of a financial calamity, right? In 2008, he could have. But he didn't. He did not. All of that was just talk. All of that was just talk. First chance he got, and he told this to John McCain. John McCain was trying to make some point with him, and he said, John, we won. So people are saying, okay, well, 
they'd vote for RFK Jr. Well, then you're voting for the loser. You're voting for the loser. I, you know, That's just a postulation. And getting out there, and if that becomes all you take away from what I just said, like I said, sometimes you need to maybe, you hear what I'm saying, but you're not listening to what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with her being the VP. It doesn't matter who the VP is. We vote for the Republican. And then we hold everybody's feet to the fire. We don't celebrate. We don't sit back and pat ourselves on the back. We become absolute pests, call our Congress critters all the time, hold everybody's feet to the fire, try to bring the Republic back from the brink. Getting out there and sitting back saying, well, I'm not going to vote for them on principle. Okay, loser. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. So, there's two statistics. A lot of you guys come in here on the text line, and uh, you're, you're constantly showing me the doomsday door. No matter what we do, we're all going to die. No matter what I point out, no matter how logical it may be, no matter how much I'm just showing you the simple plausibility of certain things, you still think that we're doomed. And I'm going to tell you the two ways that we are doomed right now that I mean it, it probably won't happen in my lifetime but and, and the, the sad part is I tried my best and I'm sure a lot of you did too to make the world a better place for whatever time we spend here there's one study out there right now that says that one out of every four young people in the world feels lonely today that's horrible the other study finds that 72 percent of Americans have no interest in defending the United States in a major war and that is deadly so right now, a quarter of the planet's emerging leaders are clinically depressed, and three-quarters of the voters of the world's wealthiest, most powerful nation have no interest in fighting to preserve the American dream. People, the, the, the young people today are that are growing up that have found out that they can't be these influencers that make a billion dollars a month and have to actually go out and get a job, and it takes time and all this other stuff, and it's life. They're so disappointed in the present that they have no appetite for the future. Now, this should be a smack across the face of those who insist on ruling the planet from uh, behind the steel gates at private social clubs like the WEF and the World Health Organization and the United Nations. Across the globe, uh, and in poor and rich countries alike, the human race is suffering. A real leader would see this for what it is, which is a cry for help. But after World War I, we had this eruption of think tanks and international associations and economic clubs and foreign policy institutes. Uh, do you think they've had a net positive effect on human happiness? Do you think we're happier now than we used to be? Has the Council on Foreign Relations successfully steered the planet towards sustained peace? Has the privately controlled central banks that are, you know, they manipulate national currencies at whim, have they safeguarded middle-class families from regular economic disaster? Has the UN prevailed in their self-appointed mission to build a better world? Now, we've had a solid century of international busybodies obsessively micromanaging everything on the planet 
And maybe it's time for us to conclude that a glut of governmental and non-governmental organizations who seem to have this remarkable capability of starting wars and triggering economic problems, they do more harm than good. Can, can we make that assumption right there? Can we make that, do that math problem? We've got a bunch of global institutions that dominate private life. So knowing that, knowing the way these guys work, uh, is it, is it such, a, such a stretch for us to believe that people behave as if they should be committed to institutions? And true meaning, right, true meaning about yourself, you know, personal struggle brings it about, adventure brings it about, hard work, community, family, religion, all of that's been replaced with the oppression of international rulemaking. The whole idea that your home is your castle and the family is, is the nuclear family is, is center of all of this, all of that stuff has been bulldozed. And now you have a, you know, and, and here's the thing. And I'm listen, I'm not one of these guys that gets out there. I, I, I can't quote the Bible for you or anything else. But when your life is based on nothing, when your life has no, no spiritual meaning behind it, then you fall victim to that global cabal of these atheist guys whose only real mission is to reduce the human population. And then you get this thing where the, you know, like the, the relationship between parents and children, that's poisoned. The blessings have marriage. That's been obliterated by the elevation of sin. So culture, marriage, and children, and a devotion to God are the bricks that build communities, which in turn takes a nation and puts it in a good, solid footing to deal with evil as it comes up. Uh, I would have to say that globalism is uh, is not good. It's not good. Um they are a cancer on human meaningful meaningfulness. You know, anything that you get from them is going to be meaningless. The Canadian Human Rights Commission claims that the celebration of Christmas perpetuates colonial oppression and intolerance. Do you want to know what it perpetuates for me? I get to watch three little faces, and I've been watching these three faces as long as they've been on this planet. I get to watch these three little faces be happy at least for that period of time when they get to just be a child because the adulting is coming soon enough. And I, this, this lays another brick in their foundation of just normal human interaction, right? Between the people that are raising them, the people that came, that raised their parents, that kind of thing, that, that kind of togetherness. That's not colonial. It's not oppression. It's not intolerance. Condoning the evil of Hamas or Osama bin Laden. That's oppressive. That's intolerant. So, all these things that are out there right now today, all these things that are being fed to you on a regular basis, this has nothing to do with your well-being. It only has to do with you submitting to that. They want you under the heel of their boot. They want to control everything you do, everything you think, everything you consume. Talk to you again in a couple, uh, 22 hours. Yeah. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.